There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. I mean, I saw him yesterday. He's still, you know, still lying. It's really kind of disturbing. Now the National Institute of Health admits that under the Echo Health grant at the Wuhan lab, that mice infected with no- novel coronaviruses became sicker than those infected with a natural bat coronavirus? Yeah, really. Think about that. Under a grant from the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, that would be Dr. Anthony Fauci, to an organization called Echo Health to conduct research of bat-to-human coronavirus transmission, mice were infected with a created novel coronavirus, and they became sicker than those infected with a normal bat coronavirus. According to an October 20th letter from Tabak, Lawrence Tabak, who's the principal deputy director of the agency, to uh, Representative James Comer of Kentucky, He said the limited experiment described in the final progress report provided by Echo Health Alliance was testing if spike proteins from naturally occurring bat coronaviruses circulating in China were capable of binding to the human ACE2 receptor in a mouse model. All other aspects of the mice, including the immune system, remain unchanged. In this limited experiment, laboratory mice infected with the SHC014 WIVI1 bat coronavirus became sicker than those infected with just the straight up WIV1 bat coronavirus. As sometimes occurs in science, this was an unexpected result of the research as opposed to something that the researchers set out to do. Regardless, the virus being studied under this grant were genetically very distant from SARS-CoV-2. Additionally, NIH reported that EchoHealth, failing to report the increased response of the novel coronavirus, violated the terms of the grant, raising oversight concerns. EchoHealth failed to report this finding right away, as was required by the terms of the grant. EchoHealth is being notified that they have five days to submit to NIH any and all unpublished data from the experiments and work conducted under this award. Additional compliance efforts continue. So let me like break this down for you because it's important. You need to know this. So when they tell you stop being a conspiracy theorist, you say, well, wait a minute. If it's not a conspiracy theory, if it's validated. In 2014, a uh, about a 666,000, interesting 666 being the number, a grant was awarded by the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases, Dr. Anthony Fauci, to the Echo Health Alliance and subcontracted to the Wuhan Institute. 
The grant came on top of Echo Health's participation in the USAID's Emerging Pandemic Threats Predict, which was a $200 million program. The grants helped fund a November 2017 study on bat-to-human COVID transmission, co-authored by the director of the Center for Emerging Infectious Diseases at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, Dr. Shi Zheng Li. The study itself confirmed it was jointly funded by the NIH, the USAID, uh, PREDICT program. 14 of the study's authors, including Dr. Shi, are attributed as a part of the CAS Key Laboratory of Special Pathogens and Biosafety, Center for Emerging Infection. Look, you need to know this stuff. You need to know that the study was done at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, but it was done by Americans and it was done and it was paid for by taxpayers. You need to know that. When Dr. Brian Paul questioned Dr. Fauci last year back in May, who heads the NI or at the time headed the NIAID, he said the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain of research gain of function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. When Senator Paul asked if COVID nineteen could not have occurred through serial passage, which is a method uh, of creating a virus in a laboratory, Dr. Fauci said, "I do not have any accounting of what the Chinese may have done." And I am fully in favor of any further investigation of what went on in China. However, I will repeat, this is Dr. Fauci, the NIH categorically has not funded gain-of-function research to be conducted in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. That was a lie. So in July, when Senator Paul said to Dr. Fauci, that was a lie, he said, I have never lied before Congress and I do not retract the statement. The paper that you are referring to was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain as not being gain of function. So they play word salad. That's what they do. The grant that was given to Echo Health was then given to Wuhan and then created the SARS-CoV-2 I resent the lie that you're now propagating, Senator. That's what Fauci said. Because if you look at the viruses that were used in the experiments that were given in the animal reports that were published in the literature, it is molecularly impossible to result in SARS-CoV-2. You are implying that what we did was responsible for the deaths of individuals. I totally resent that. And if anybody's lying here, it is you. Oh, however, now we know better. Dr. Peter Daszak in December 2019 admitted that the research at the Wuhan lab was in fact looking at novel coronaviruses. And now, 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 now we know. MIT said it was going to gain a function research. NIH's moratorium on gain of function research was violated. This is a deep, deep rabbit hole. And when you begin going down it, it's pretty, pretty darn scary to think that they foisted this on the world, not just on us. And then, and then another report today saying that adults have sh sharply higher risks of being diagnosed with heart, skin, and psychiatric conditions for at least 90 days after they receive COVID shots and that's according to a peer-reviewed study of almost 300,000 people in California. 
The researchers examined new diagnoses given to the same people before and after they were vaccinated to see whether the shots changed the risk of new health problems. They found that people were about 21% more likely to receive a new diagnosis in the three months after a shot compared to the three months before. So with almost 240 million of us jabbed, the rise translate into millions of extra new medical problems found in the months after the vaccination and tens of millions across the world. We're talking about hypertension. If you had hypertension, you are about 25% more likely to be diagnosed in the three months following a shot than in the three months before. Depression, eczema, diabetes, cellulitis, you were 10 to 20% more likely. Myocarditis diagnosis had the highest additional risk. They were at about 2.6 times as likely overall with an even higher risk in men. Myocarditis is a known side effect of the mRNAs. So the fact that it had a particularly high rate of extra diagnoses provides pretty strong evidence, I would say, that the signal the researchers found was real. And overall, the researchers reported that 284,000 COVID-vaccinated adults that they examined received almost 6,000 additional diagnoses of health conditions in the 90 days after being jabbed compared to the 90 days before. So with about 240 million of us vaccinated, adults vaccinated, that estimate would translate into about 5 million extra diagnoses for problems like diabetes in the three months following the shots. The number could be up to like 25 million if you take in the whole world. How, you know, how do we not know? Why are we just first finding out that all of these diagnoses were happening? Hypertension, diabetes, eczema. Man, you... you it's time, really, it is time to hold somebody accountable. You know, I've long since given up the thought that they're ever going to end up in an uh, orange jumpsuit, these Fauci's and, and these other creeps. But at least, could, could we get an I'm sorry? Can we get I lied? You know, I, it's just, it's, it's, it's not fair. The energy department is telling us that there was a leak. Why? Why would we be hearing that from the energy department? Because they like to tie everything together. They like it to be the climate change and racism. You, you know, if they can uh, intermingle or, or mix and match every single problem confronting mankind and in particular confronting us here in the uh, American environment, because I'm going to include most of Western civilization, although we're not very civilized. You just can't, you, you, have, to, you have to take a step back and say, I'm not going to be a sucker anymore. You know, the silent majority, once again, needs to raise up. I don't think they're very, very silent anymore. You know, which is why I'm watching all this stuff that's going on, and I'm watching it like everybody else is. You know, headlines today. Uh, uh, the world is in disarray. Ron DeSantis is getting all this attention, and he's going to... Uh, first and foremost, let me explain something to you. It's a little early in the race to be getting all this attention. Just saying. 
and the silent majority isn't going to be silent very long. It really isn't. I'm looking at uh, fundraising numbers, and yeah, uh, DeSantis's numbers are very uh, uh, impressive. You know, Nikki Haley, nah. Vivek Ramaswamy, he can self, you know, he can he can pay for his own stuff. He's he's got plenty of money. Donald Trump can pay for his own stuff, but I'm looking at the grassroots contributions that are coming into Donald Trump that are being declared in these uh, federal election commit committee reports. The silent majority is not silent at all. And people who are struggling, people who don't have a lot of money, are sending their, their uh, mites, like the widow in the Bible, to Donald Trump. They're not sending their mites to Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis can go around and collect all the money he wants from donors, including the backers like George Soros and Jeb Bush, who want to see anything but Donald Trump, right? So, eh, okay. But what always struck me in 2016 was these, it was the same thing that happened with Barack Obama in the first election. There were all these Americans that were donating their hard-earned money 20 bucks, 25 bucks, 30 bucks, 50 bucks. Those, those contributions that were overlooked and ignored in the first Ob Barack Obama win, I, pr I swore and promised myself I would never forget. I would, I would never overlook them again. And I started watching them in 2016. And I kept telling people, you have no idea. This guy is getting a ton of contributions from people all over the country. Those little people get out and vote. A lot of these elites, you know, they talk a big talk, and then they're, you know, they they stopped at Starbucks on the way to the, uh, you know, to the polls, and their latte really didn't come out right, and they got into an argument with the manager, and then they were in just such a bad mood they went home. Just saying, you know, this is anecdotal, but it's my experience, and that's why I'm here to share my experience and my strength and my hope with you. And my experience is that this is all unfolding exactly the way it did in the first Obama victory and in the first Trump victory. I'm predicting right now on this veritable program, Donald Trump gets the nomination. Anyway, let me uh, remind you that you should download our app, the 850 app, and you could visit the website because if you do, we have all these contests going on. They're always running these contests. Uh, there's two ways for you to win. One is on the app and one is at the website. We're giving away a pair of tickets for a sunset tour at the Jupiter Lighthouse. You get to climb all the way to the top and you get to see the spectacular sunset views. You know, it's the kind of thing that it's a once in a lifetime kind of thing. So enter to win now on the app or at 850WFTL.com. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. So, you know, one thing I'll... Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
say about uh, Michael Waltz, who's a friend of the show, is that he is literally just uh, rattling their cages up in Washington. And he does it in such a, a, a genteel manner. It's really kind of impressive to me because I'm the furthest thing from genteel in the whole world. He Now, he, along with um, uh, Jim Banks from Indiana, they have sent a letter to the Secretary of the Army, whose name is Christine Warmoth, to express concerns over the historic recruitment crisis facing the U.S. Army today, um, they're both veterans, and to call for public release of important recruiting and retaining survey data. Because it's not just we're not getting young people who are willing to sign up to serve in the military. Uh, young people are going into the military, and then they're not re-enlisting. They're running as far as they can and as fast as they can away from their service. So why is that? You know, Waltz, uh, Congressman Waltz said, having spent my career as an Army officer and Green Beret, I am very concerned with the Army's ability to recruit and retain our nation's best and brightest for military service. Unfortunately, we continue to receive analysis of cherry-picked data that is not giving us the full picture of why the U.S. Army is seeing historically low recruitment and retention rates. That is why Representative Banks and I are calling for transparency and the public release of the Army's entire data set concerning military recruitment. Right now, it should be the shared goal of Congress, our military leaders, and the Biden administration to get to the bottom of the crisis so we can ensure that our military is ready for any threat our nation faces. You think? <laughs> See, wokeness at the DOD, DOD rather, that's harmed recruitment. It's definitely harmed retention and morale. And it's a waste of service members' time and the taxpayers' dollars. And, and it undermines the apolitical, you know, the military is not supposed to be a political entity. That's very dangerous. You want the military to be about the preservation of our national security, period. You know, army officers and Green Berets and all the rest of them you know, they're tasked with going out and killing bad guys. They're not, they're not supposed to be worried about what pronouns they're using. It's not relevant. And, and if you're in the army, right, and you're being forced to, uh, you know, take these DEI and woke DOD policies to heart, you might consider leaving. You know, uh, these policies that say, well, let's just lower the standards so that women can, uh, you know, can serve in combat. How does that help the, the, the military? Or, or we need more minorities in positions uh, of, of the leadership. Okay, any minority who, who earns the position of leadership should get it. You know, last time I checked, there's no like category when they're deciding to promote somebody uh, that says, what race are they? It's a pretty uh, colorblind military, thank God, right? It, and it has been since Truman. You know, what, what are we looking at? Uh, you know, the, the Department of Defense has a Secretary of Defense who's African-American. Could we, for one moment, admit how far we've come? Or no? No. No, we can't. In November of last year, the Ronald Reagan Institute um, did a poll and they found that there was a sharp decline 
in the trust and confidence in the U.S. military, with 70% saying they had a great deal of trust in 2018, dropping to 48% in 2022. The most frequently cited reason for decreased trust was the military becoming overly politicized. Also found at the top of the list was the performance and competence of presidents as the commander-in-chief, and all of these so-called woke practices are undermining our military effectiveness. Think about that. The Heritage Foundation found that 68% of active duty military surveyed said they witnessed the politicization in the military. 65% of active duty are concerned with it. The most selected areas of concern were, one, an overemphasis on diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. Two, requirement for the military to pay for abortion-related travel. Three, the reduction of fitness standards to promote equity. How does that help the military? It doesn't. And that's why, you know, good for Congressman Waltz and uh, Representative Banks for standing up for the men and women who serve and don't deserve to be placed in a position where they're less safe because of some stupid policies that have nothing to do with how the military should be functioning. That's all. The, you know, the, you know what the military should be? Should be on the border, on the southern border. Just this week, a Montana Attorney General press release stated that the Rocky Mountain High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area Task Force, I mean, we got a task force for everything everywhere, right? Seized almost three times as many fentanyl pills in 2022 than it did in 2021. That's nearly 11,000% higher than the 2019 level. The task force seized 206,955 dose units in 2022. This represents an increase of 60.577 dosage units in 2021 and 1900 in 2019. Think about that. These figures, when you look at them, and they were compiled by like six task forces, are not even exhaustive, and they don't include the drug seizures in any state law enforcement. Can you believe that? Phil, I, I mean, I'm just, sometimes I sit here and I say to myself, illegal fentanyl has been crossing the southern border in a dramatic increase for the last two years and some, and this poison is killing us. It's killing people in Montana. It's killing people in Florida. It's killing people in Texas and Arizona. And it's killing people all over the country, in Ohio, in West Virginia, in New England. And, and, and they're worried about what pronouns? colonels are using when they address soldiers? It's bad enough that the civilian, that we in the civilian uh, world have to deal with this stuff, but for goodness sake, in the military? Yeah. The attorney general is a guy named Austin Knudsen, or Knudsen in Montana, and he said, we have to declare that these drug cartels are terrorist organizations. He went on News Nation. Apparently, Chris Cuomo has a show on News Nation. I didn't know that. I, I kind of think I knew that he was getting one. I don't know. Anyway, and he said, the cartels are undermining the nation and poisoning the citizens. Fentanyl is deadly, and fentanyl is dangerous. And as this year, 
you know, as 2022 came to an end, the DEA announced that the Drug Enforcement Administration had taken possession of more than 50.6 million fentanyl-laced prescription drugs and more than 10,000 pounds of fentanyl powder just in one year. And that's what they got. How much got through? It's just, it's pronouns. Making sure that you have enough people of color, enough people with a vagina in the military. You think that's what the best use of the military is? How about putting the military on the southern border and 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 getting to the to the root cause of the fentanyl crisis in this country, which is drug traffickers and cartels? Just just you know, I'm sorry to have to say that. One would think my my government would be saying it, and thank God there are some who are saying it. But it's a it's just it's so frustrating. I don't know if any of you I should have put this up. It's a long interview though. There's an interview that Jordan Peterson has done with uh, Dr. J. Bhattacharya, and it really was fascinating. Um, to see to, or to listen to Jordan Peterson coming to terms with the sheer scale of the lockdown, um, during which time he happened to have been rather sick. Uh, we could have used his voice then. And I have no doubt that he would have been fantastic. Uh, fortunately for the whole world, we did have Jay Bhattacharya. It's not just his credentials or his position at Stanford. It's his erudition that give him the reach to make sense of our times. You know, in this interview, Jay explains the unfolding of events in a way that is so compelling, you will not believe it. You know, just to sum up his message, the response to COVID upended a century of public health practice based on computer modeling that was not informed by any medical knowledge or public health experience, zero, nada. The modeling came to be fused with a military-style response that waged a war on a pathogen with no exit strategy. And of course, the powerful industrial interests, the pharma companies, they saw their chance, and so did others. They realized they could promote their agenda because everybody was in hiding. You know, and, and even though the lockdowns began under the Trump administration, opposing them mysteriously came to be seen as right-wing, even though the pandemic policies violated every civil liberty, massively harmed poor people, divided people by class, and trampled on our freedoms, which one might suppose were concerns of the left once upon a time. Jay Bhattacharya knew from the beginning that these policies were a disaster, but his method of dissent was to stick with the science. And that's where, you know, they came up with the uh, Barrington Declaration. But, you know, he was humiliated. People's careers were ruined. Uh, even people I know who, who know Dr. Bhattacharya and had always respected him turned on him. This nation has, as he described it and as Jordan Peterson named it, a contagion of cowardice. Too many people afraid to speak out, which is why I am not, which is why I got on the air yesterday and I said, look, I don't care what your feelings about Donald Trump are. I want my country back. I don't believe anyone, nobody, no Ron DeSantis, no Nikki Haley, no Mike Pence, no combination of the 10 can, can stand up to this disgusting cowardice that is contagious. They are 
just as likely to become uh, contaminated as anybody else. The only one who won't become contaminated is Donald Trump. And why that is, I don't know. I tend to believe that it's because he's got an anointing on his life and therefore he is uh, impervious to the slings and arrows. Whatever you believe, uh, believe it. But trust me, if you want this country to be this country in five years, <laughs> you better make some dramatic changes and, 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 and realize that this is not going to be an easy task and none of these clowns in you know three-piece suits with Harvard and Yale education is going to be able to pull us out of this. Anyway, let me take a break. I'm late. I'll be right back. Boy, I'll tell you, it just keeps getting crazier and crazier and crazier. I think what, uh, you know, I was just having a conversation with my producer about book banning and and the only time that there can be a felony charge that I can see is if a teacher uh, gives access to a book that has been banned inside of a school, that that teacher would then have, be facing some charges. But that's not banning the book. That's banning the behavior, from what I can tell. You know, um, they cannot override the book ban is what it is. If they do, that could result in a third degree felony. It's not the owning of the book. It would be, it would be the distributing of the book to the children. Hey, listen, uh, hide your dirty books. That's all. You want to keep those dirty books? Books that should, when I say dirty, books that shouldn't be given to children. You know, I, I looked at this this kid who was standing in front of a school board and he's reading out of this book and showing pictures like it's a like a graphic cartoon or whatever of these you know homosexual sexual encounters in great 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 detail in enough detail that i was mortified that this kid was reading it out loud and showing the pictures as was his parent as was the school board because there are some things that we need to protect children from, okay? We don't allow teachers to hit our kids. We used to when I was going, growing up. Your teacher could, you know, uh, smack you with a ruler across your knuckles, could, you know, uh, I don't think there was any anything that you could do if your teacher slapped you, I mean, uh, or paddled you. They used to have paddles, the principals, and you'd go into a closet with the principal. We don't do that anymore. You know, we've come a long way. But I will tell you this, it is just as much child abuse and, and all those laws that protect children from that kind of abuse at the hands of strangers and even at the hands of their parents now. You can call the, you know, the authorities on your parents if they, if they beat you. But all of that being said, we're supposed to protect our children and nobody wants their children exposed except some, some crazy pervert to books in middle school that have graphic photographs of sex of any kind, heterosexual, homosexual, you know, bestial, nothing, nothing that is not appropriate for schools. So, you know, look, it, it's not illegal to, to, to ban, a, you know, to read a book like that, but it is illegal to give it to a child once it has been noted and removed from a school. And I th it's not a school-by-school school thing. I have no idea. You know, my producer was telling me about Indian River being the, the subject of this discussion today. And I don't know. I'll do a little research over the weekend. But I remember that 
um, when they told teachers to remove certain books from classroom libraries, that they did say, you will be held to that. It's the same as if you were to give a child, um, you know, a, a joint. It's the same that you, you're going to get slapped with a felony if you do that. And marijuana may very well be legal in you know places where you still, as a teacher, cannot hand drugs to your kids. That's all. We protect our children, and so you know, you know, if people are worried about that, why not just have teachers who understand that parents have some rights and children have more rights than anybody? We're we're to protect them, and books that are deemed sexually explicit and inappropriate for any age group, um, when. I'm, I'm in 100% agreement with get them out of the school libraries. Get them out. If the parent wants to go out and buy a book about, you know, uh, you know, gay sex and give it to their son, fine. Go ahead. They're not banned. They're just banned in the school. Teachers are not going to be given to your children. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, in a remarkable admission, the Biden Department of Homeland Security just conceded that the overwhelming majority of migrants that are pouring across our southern border are attempting to defraud the political asylum system. That's right. You know, it came out of the president's mouth. The crisis is, is, is obviously much worse because of the cancellation of Title 42. And it's estimated that there'll be somewhere between 11,000 and 13,000 illegal migrants every single day day encountered every single day how many are not encountered and get in dhs's response is a 153 page proposed temporary rule change that is designed not to halt the flow of illegal migrants but merely to create a more orderly process for people to abuse our asylum system in other words the real objective is not to end large-scale asylum abuse but rather to get them through the next election cycle. In combination with President Biden's illegal exercise of parole authority to admit 30,000 Cuban, Haitian, Nicaraguan, and Venezuelan migrants, DHS is going all in on a mobile app that allows migrants to schedule an appointment at a port of entry. Just by using the app, rather than sneaking across the border, they're all gonna be waved into the country where they'll be allowed to live and work for years even though the reason they're coming is economic and political instability, neither one of which is a legitimate grounds for asylum. Sorry. And even after their asylum claims are denied, nearly all of them are going to remain. This is not a serious attempt by the Biden administration to end massive asylum abuse. It's a serious and transparent attempt to remove the bad optics the worsening optics of the migration crisis that they created because, you know, the president has to campaign for re-election. Can't have these numbers as high as they are now, can you? They're so disgusting to me, politicians. They really are. They don't look out for us, which is why when I say, look, you know, uh, stop showing me all these politicians and telling me they're the ones that are going to do what needs to be done. There was only one person, one who was able to do that. Well, actually, there were two. One better than the other, but there were two. You know, Ronald Reagan was not a politician. He was a governor and he was the president, but he was not, a. that was not his, uh, you know, his uh, training, his background. 
He was an actor. He was the head of a union of all things. But he was a man of principle, a man with a conscience, a man who loved his country, a man who wanted to do the right thing. Donald Trump, not a politician. Obviously not a politician because he makes political mistake after political mistake. And it endears him to those of us who don't care about politics. We care about our country. Politics are an inconvenience that we have to endure to have a country. But I'm serious when I tell you, it's about to get really, really ugly. You know, this, th these swords that are rattling in China and in Russia are, weren't rattling during the Trump years. And they're rattling in a way that should cause concern to every single American. And I have no idea how this story ends. I don't think anybody does. But you have to admit, in my entire life, not since, and I was a child, not since the Cuban Missile Crisis and the assassination of John F. Kennedy, have I feared an attack from Russia. And right now, I'm a little bit concerned. I think you should be too. You know, I got a madman over there and, and actually all the people behind him are even madder than, than he is, crazier than he is, okay? And these folks would think nothing about, uh, think nothing of wiping us off the face of the earth and making themselves the most powerful country in the world. So maybe it doesn't concern you. It certainly concerns me. Maybe it's the reason that I, I beg of you, do not walk away from the one man who I believe can actually uh, stop the madness, at least stop for a moment. Let me take a break. We're going to, you know, take care of a little business and then I'll come back and finish the show. Don't forget Dan Bongino's coming up at the one o'clock hour, Ben Shapiro at the four o'clock hour. And then, of course, uh, Jen and Bill will be back in the morning. For right now, don't touch that dial. I've got one segment left. So, you know, the, the problem with uh, all the uh, outlets that we have for information is that periodically stuff gets out there that's just, I mean, there's no other word for it. It's just nutty. And it's very easy to pass it around. I mean, as that's, that's the expression that I'm looking for. It's like, I saw a story early, I guess, last week, and then it kind of disappeared, and it was a stupid story, so I paid no attention to it. And then it resurfaced over this weekend, and it's out again today. And what it does is it poses an interesting question. It, they want to know, um, you know, where is, you know, uh, the senator, John, John Fetterman, and why did his country, why did his country, why did his wife just leave the country? You know, uh, he's in Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. That's according to an update from his office. This is a guy who suffered a stroke, went on to win the election against Dr. Mehmet Oz, and checked himself in to uh, Walter Reed to be treated for symptoms of clinical depression, something that apparently he has suffered from on and off throughout his life. 
and uh, they have no updates. We don't get any updates about this. At first, it was he's visiting with his staff and his family daily. His staff are keeping him updated on Senate business and news. We understand there's a lot of interest in his status, and we appreciate the well-wishing. However, this will be a weeks-long process, and while we will be sure to keep folks updated as it progresses, this is all there is to give by way of an update. And the all I can tell you is the next thing you know, here this guy is hospitalized. And his wife drives to Canada with their two kids. I'm not really sure how to navigate this journey, she put up on Twitter, but I'm figuring it out slowly. One week ago today when the news dropped, the kids were off from school and media trucks circled our home. I did the first thing I could think of, pack them in the car and drive. We drove straight into Canada. Always have passports ready just in case you have to run away. What? What? What does that mean? You don't run away when your husband and your kid's father is in the hospital in Walter Reed Medical Center undergoing treatment for serious depression and still trying to recover from a stroke that has basically uh, impacted his ability to understand what's being said to him. And she said, we talked about lots of hard things and how we will all have to face hard things about the need to be gentle with all and with ourselves. Be gentle. Disease eventually ensnares all of us. When it happens to you, you'll crave the same. What the heck? What, what is she doing? Would you leave your loved one at a time like this? Would you go zip lining? In Canada, that's what she did. Look, you know, I wouldn't want to keep my kids from suffering too much. I certainly would want the, uh, you know, the media circus around them to dissipate before I tried to get them to go back to life as usual. But you, you can leave your house without leaving the country. Okay, you, you can leave your neighbor. You can leave Washington and go back to, uh, you know, Pennsylvania and stay in a in a, uh, what do they call those, uh, Airbnb. There's a whole lot of things you could do. You don't leave the country and leave the poor schlub there with nobody to attend to him. Not that, you know, there's, not that there's not a lot of people watching out for a senator sitting in Walter Reed Medical Center. But here is, the, you know, this to me is a very curious story. What are these hard things that they're struggling with? His mental illness? Well, I thought you just got finished telling us that he's always suffered from depression. So this shouldn't be new to the wife or to the children. The fact that he had the stroke, the fact that he won the race, I don't know what the hard things are, but whatever those hard things are, be honest with the American people, particularly constituents. They have a right to know what's going on. Changes, changes in his life. He wanted to be a senator. I wouldn't run. After all the times that people tried to get me run for the House of uh, Representatives, I turned them down. Why? Because my mind couldn't wrap itself around having to deal with those people on a daily basis. 
There's no way. You know, I say it all the time. What do you think would happen the first time I'm stuck in an elevator with Maxine Waters or Nancy Pelosi? How do you think that would go? I know how it would go. It would go with the uh, sergeant at arms escorting me to the uh, Capitol Police Station. Not that I would be violent, but I'd probably say some things that'd be pretty unforgivable. But but again, you know, so there's all these stories out that he's brain dead. You know, the rumor mill gets started right away. Because if you're not honest and we don't understand, you know, for instance, would have been nice to tell the people who were choosing between him and Dr. Oz that he suffered from chronic depression and mental illness, right? But you didn't tell him that. And therefore, he, he narrowly got elected. And now you want us to just pretend everything's okay. Well, it's not. It's not okay. You lied. So our assumption is you're still lying. And that's why you see, you know, rumors out there that he's brain dead. And that his wife ran. Of course you're going to see rumors like that because we don't know what to believe anymore, right? We hear about these athletes, young athletes, just turning up dead over and over again. Now we got another one. A former U.S. swimming champ, uh, 42 years old, found unresponsive at the home she shared with her boyfriend in the U.S. Virgin Isles. There's an investigation. Nobody knows. She's un, uh, you know, unresponsive. They call. And now she succumbs to her ailment. Well, what is her ailment? You know, why do, are we not entitled to an answer when these young, seemingly healthy people drop dead? Like, could you at least say they were not vaccinated or they were vaccinated? Is that too much to ask? Especially when we're seeing all this stuff that, you know, people who have been vaccinated are highly likely to uh, be diagnosed with other things. You know, 21% of people in the first three months after a vaccination or a booster shot end up with things like diabetes and eczema and hypertension and all. But we're not supposed to ask any questions when healthy athletes collapse suddenly. You know, so I put up there today, the Hodge twins do a whole piece on... Uh, Damar Hamlin, right? They said, just say it already. Did you, you know, did this happen because of the shot? You know, that's not his fault. No one's going to be mad at him. He would have a hell of a lawsuit against the league that insisted that all the players receive these shots, I suppose. So it's this giant cover-up. Did they have to pay him to not say that he was vaccinated or to say that he was not vaccinated? I don't know, but we don't trust them anymore. That's the bottom line. So if you don't want rumors about John Fetterman uh, being brain dead to circulate around the internet as it has been doing for the last week, really, well, then maybe you ought to tell us the truth and maybe you ought to actually show us the truth. If he was well enough to be elected to the Senate, then he ought to now two weeks later after this most recent hospitalization be well enough to tell us that he's going to be okay and not to worry. But that's not what's happening. And there's plenty of people starting crazy stories like, oh, well, if they can hide them for long enough, then they won't have a special election. That's nonsense. They will 
Uh, the governor will appoint someone for, should anything happen to Fetterman, and then they'll have a special election. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon, if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies with us. May God bless you, and may God bless the United States of America. I'll see you all tomorrow at noon. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.